0: your life with this episode of Lifestyle and Success with Dr. S. Hey friends, Dr. S here. You know, one thing that I love about this show is that it shows anyone and everyone that regardless of what background you have, what different experiences you have had, and who you are, that you can obtain your level of success. I've been getting some really positive feedback from the business tips that you've been getting and the lifestyle hacks that I've been loving. And so I have to tell you, if you are feeling this community to subscribe to the talk show and never miss a beat, head to lifestyleandsuccesswithdrs.com. And today's guest is coming up. So as you guys may already know, I am a total foodie. And if you'd like some evidence of that, you can head to my brand website, which is called jetonprie.us, J-E-T-E-N-P-R-I-E. And you can see my Instagram, you can see my lifestyle post, you can see the post from this talk show, and you will see many of those comprise of food. And so <laughs> it would be fitting that I would have Shahira Marai joining us today, who is the founder of The Dirty Cookie. And this is like her business is so awesome and amazing number one she was inspired by visiting Egypt as a child. She's Egyptian and she witnessed true poverty and hardships faced by children who were exactly her age. And she was encouraged by her father to really like start her entrepreneurial journey. And as a way of doing that, she's also been able to give back and really uplift and inspire this population. And so I'd love to share her story. I'd love to share the work that she does. This episode is truly like, it. it, it we dropped so many gems on this episode. You might as well break out a book and a pen and take notes the entire time. Um, Shahira's brand was featured on the Today Show, Good Morning America, the Food Network, the Cooking Channel, all the things. But on this episode, we're gonna talk about some hacks on working with influencers. We're gonna talk about how to stay motivated, how to survive through hardship, all the things that Shahira has experienced as she built this incredible business and incredible brand. And so to start it off, before we go into all of the amazing things that she's done, I really want us to kind of continue along this track of talking some of the hurdles of business because i think if you really understand what she experienced you'll be able to better appreciate where she is today so shahira i'm so happy to have you on the show why don't you kick us off by talking a little bit more about some of the hurdles you've experienced as you've built the dirty cookie
1: oh my goodness we i hurdles i mean that's all i've had for the last (laughs) years like honestly um From opening a store in a very low traffic location, that was the biggest challenge. Basically within a year, I knew the location was not gonna serve me. And I stuck it out for three years just because I I didn't want to close the store. So that was like a really big challenge because that challenged me to figure out how to bring traffic to that store. Um, which, you know, marketing, you know, I, I became like this, you know, social media expert because I had to figure out how to drive people to the store because Obviously, the traffic wasn't working for us, the current traffic. And then really uh, the next challenge from there is like, OK, I closed down the store in 2018. And I was like, well, let's let's play online. Let's focus on e-commerce. Um, I, I went through so many different ad agencies. It was terrible. We lost so much money. Um, everybody, you know, over promised, So I turned that off. I was like, OK, let's just focus on what we're good at which is like catering at that time. We were really good at catering and you know, we were doing birthday parties, uh, weddings, bar mitzvahs, all over Los Angeles. So I continued to grow that and then started like wholesaling to hotels um, like the Four Seasons and Marriott. And then um, uh, we were featured on QVC in 2019, but they didn't want my cookie shots. They wanted another product they had at that time, which was also a really big mistake on my part um, it was our cookie butter. It was a product I had when I had a brick and mortar because it was like, it was easy to just sell. I wasn't selling it online, but mm-hmm. TVC really wanted it. And, um, they convinced me that I should just let, you know, someone with more expertise pitch my product. So that was a big hurdle for me because she, she butchered basically our our product on TV and we didn't sell. I got stuck with like $60,000 worth of inventory. Wow. Yeah. It was really challenging. And then, um, I basically like had to sell, I had to sell my house to fund the business, right? Oh my gosh. So much money in 2019, you know, from the ad agencies to QVC to like, you name it. I just couldn't figure out something that was working for us after I closed down my store. And then 2020 hits and the early months, I'm like, all right, well, we're wholesalers growing to all these hotels. We've gotten into a couple of amusement parks. It was looking good. And then COVID hits in March. So we lost the only two things we had, which was <laughs> catering and wholesale to hotels, hospitality. Another hurdle. It's fine. I'm just going to lay off my entire team. Did not give up. I knew that it was all every challenge I had was just like, it's a test. It's a test. Test the faith. Test in yourself. So I laid off my entire team on March 13th, 2020. Did a lot of praying, did a lot of meditation. And I um, actually like during one of my meditations, I saw like someone, a little girl decorating our cookie shots and i was like oh my gosh this is what we're gonna do so i called my partner and coo nadia and i was like hey it's easter's coming up let's try this diy kit idea that i have like we went to walmart picked up like some chocolate and sprinkles and easter characters we took a really crappy picture and we posted it on the website and drove some ads to it and we sold like 400 boxes in like 48 hours Oh, my goodness. Wow. This is my sign, but I have no staff. So it was just me and Nadia (laughs) and, you know, making baking cookies, packaging and shipping. It was crazy. And I I was still too nervous to bring on my team because things were so unstable um, during that time. So me and her just continued making DIY kit till like end of June. And then July, I brought my entire team back. And then by the end of 2020, we more than doubled our team and had our best year yet
2: wow talk about a comeback story so we we gotta dig into that what I love about your story was that you really brought us through like some of the darkest days you know nobody ever wants to lay off a team member it is so much stress once you bring on team members then you realize that you're responsible for paying families and for their welfare and everything and then you have to Make a painful decisions to let them go. But you bounce back even higher than before. It kind of shows you that sometimes you got to make tough decisions and just weather the storm weather the storm that is amazing so before we go into some of the details and the steps for for launching and you know it's not not just launching a cookie brand it really is launching any kind of business from the ground up um what do you think has been your greatest win was it this bounce back or do you have something else that's been your greatest win
1: honestly it was um this bounce back i would say for sure and just bringing the right person on board to help me with the advertising, you know, last year, I really believe you need to like network and talk to so many people to find the right person for your team. Like I said, I've gone through so many ad agencies. Last year, I finally found one and who's very expensive and I I give him a shot and see what happens. And he was a huge part of our success.
2: If there's someone out there that's thinking of launching their own business, maybe they sell um cupcakes or even, you know, special specialty French fries. I don't know. Popcorn, <laughs> any kind of food business. One thing that you mentioned is that you got the lease first and then you built your team. So what kind of gave you the confidence to be able to say that, okay, I think I have an idea that I'm going to bet on. And then how did you go about funding Mm -hmm. your team to really develop the recipes and get everything in order for you?
1: So the thing is, I had this burning desire from a really young age to become an entrepreneur there was like i wanted to make a difference i just i didn't even care to be honest like what my business was going to be i just wanted i knew i wanted to do it i wanted it so bad when i signed the lease it i had no idea like i didn't have an idea or a plan on what it was going to be it was i know this is not the right way to do it but i'm a very spiritual person and i feel like i'm guided i do a lot of manifestation work i i kept telling myself you know my business is coming you know I don't have an idea, but just send it my way. And honestly, just that's what happened. It just like got sent my way, and things started lining up in terms of the money. I didn't have any money, and then, you know, when, when I told my friend, I was like, "Oh my God, I'm signing a five year lease." She was like, "Well, what are you gonna do?" I was like, "I don't know. I'll figure it out." She's like, "Well." whatever you do, I I know you're going to be successful. So I'm going to give you $50,000 like out of nowhere.
2: Right. Wow.
1: And then I just, and that's why I felt like I was really guided because like the landlord didn't ask me for like financial paperwork. She didn't ask me for anything just like, okay, here's sign. So I just had that feeling inside of me. Like I'm meant to be on this journey. And then, and then I pulled my 401k from Boeing when I realized like, okay, this is really going to cost a lot to build out this (laughs) door. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, Let's just pull my 401k because that's the only savings I have. Like my father gave me all this courage growing up because he told me like, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to fail. Like he always would t- say that to me. Like, what's the worst case? You're You're not going to be out on the street. Like I'll take, we'll, we'll figure something out. You have your dad we will take care of you if that's what it comes down to. So he gave me that boost of confidence. And I'm like, yeah, he's right. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? I won't be homeless. Right. So I always have that inside of me, I guess, to feel like, Well, if all hits the fan, I mean, my dad will be there for me. And, like, really growing up, my father wasn't there for me a lot. And um, for him to say something like that really gave me a boost of confidence to just, know, have no fear and just do Mm it. A lot of people think I'm crazy because I really don't, I don't, nothing scares me. And I'm like, well, what's the worst that's going to happen? We're just going to lose money.
2: It's all good. Mm -hmm. And the worst ended up being the best. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) literally the best thing that could have happened. So I so I love that you got people to believe in you. Your dad gave you that hope and that confidence. Your friend invested in your idea early. You pulled funds for your 401k. But now let's move into how the how that funding was best used. So your best friend, she's a baker and
1: another one. Yeah, she worked with me at Boeing.
2: (laughs) Okay, so you had an you had another friend who was a baker. Mm-hmm. And you convinced her of your idea and she goes, I'll bake for you.
1: Yeah, I was paying her obviously like I hired her to bake for me for like 6 7 months straight. Yeah.
2: Mm hmm. And so what other early team members did you need to really get this off the ground? So she's baking, she's testing recipes. I'm sure you have to go through some other like legal process with trademarking and making sure that you guys are protected with your own secret product making kind of system. So talk to us about that. Who else did you need on your early team to really get this off the ground?
1: Well, see the things I couldn't, I couldn't afford anybody. So except my baker. So what I did was I, I did everything myself. Like I contacted UCLA law clinic and asked them if they would help me, um, trademark my brand and you know, they did it for free. They're like, just pay the fees. And I had to be really like scrappy because I couldn't, you know, afford to hire all these people early on. So other than like, so that's what I did in terms of lawyer. And I had another friend who's a CPA accountant who really helped guide me. Like, I also couldn't pay her (laughs) at that time. So I'm like, I'll pay you later. I owe you and just Mm -hmm. help me with the LLC paperwork and the, um, you know, the accounting tax structure and all that legal stuff. So she helped me with that too and yeah so other than the baker then we eventually had to add on like you know five or six people to just help bake we you know once the store opened we one person could not do it so we had to have like five or six people baking all the time yeah I kind of managed I did everything I wore like so I still wear so many hats I I mean you just have to do that in the beginning you have to do everything yourself you just got to know what needs to be done and I think Mm -hmm. that came from my experience of like managing projects and also I, I went to business school so I knew about, like, that counting and the taxes and stuff like that had some kind of background, you know. Mhm.
2: Mhm. At what point did you shift from attracting customers that just kind of were walker, passer buyers who walked by the shop, they saw that there was something interesting going on, they decided to try to saying, okay, I need to scale this and actually start to advertise and bring on a team that's going to really help attract cold traffic to my shop? At what point did you make that shift?
1: Probably after a year, um, you know, I hired like a food blogger to help me with social media. If you want to talk about like hiring integral people, that was a big one. Like for us, like, okay, social media, drive traffic, reach out to influencers. And when we went online in 2019 or yeah, 2019 and 2020, I had to get really specific on who is my target demographic? Like, who is this woman that buys from me? I had to do a lot of research and ask a lot of questions and get on the phone with my customers and like, well, why are you buying it? And like, what do you what do you do for a living? How much money do you make basically? nicely? I even sent out a survey like, afterwards uh, after the purchase, and I'm like, tell me about yourself, so I can understand. Real, I get really deep on like demographics and start then targeting those people, you know, through advertising. Mm-hmm.
2: Now the blogger, she did generic organic traffic and yes. I'm sure at some point you started to run ads. Do you consider, do, would you say that some of your initial success was more from organic traffic or was your ad campaign strong enough to drive most of your success in the so beginning?
1: That's an interesting question because most of my success in the early years were, organic and that was before Instagram really changed because like a few years ago Instagram really really changed this was yeah I, I got on early days of Instagram like the first year of Instagram and it was really easy to reach you know reach influencers and to reach um you know people and engagement was high and you know they weren't doing weird things like they are now where they're like hiding your posts and you have to pay to you know get visibility and stuff like that so it's tricky because like if I was starting a business now that wouldn't apply because it's so hard organically right now, you know, to, to reach people on Instagram, you have to, it's a pay to play game, unfortunately. So I feel like right now you just have to pay to play. But what you could do organically, which I still do is influencers. Like I, because I do have such a unique fun product when I do reach out to like celebrities or um really big influencers for the most part they don't ask me for money and they're like okay we'll we'll give you a shout out on stories uh in exchange yeah. for a gift and that really goes a long way for us because they're you know I was able to get the kardashians that way back in 2017 I was able to get a lot of really big people <laughs> just by yeah. asking them you know
2: nicely well that's a really interesting point because i'm sure like you can imagine with reaching out to influencers, I'm sure you didn't like DM Kim Kardashian, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. they, what tips do you have for them? If they're thinking of like reaching out to some big neighbors to rock their pocketbook or if they are, you know, a shoemaker to rock their pumps or anything like that, what, what would you say is the best way to reach out to influencers for organic reach?
1: Okay. So this is like, my secret strategy that I will share Uh Oh,
2: (laughs) top secret. You guys are getting good stuff. You better send her a DM or buy a cookie shot after this.
1: (laughs) So so like, honestly, if I can just like not be the CEO and just sit and do this all day, I would, because it works so well for me. Um, When I go on Instagram, for example, I like, let's, I wanted like Kourtney Kardashian. Okay. So I would go to like all, the people that she's following and find out like, who's really in her inner circle. Um, that's not really that popular or isn't as popular as she is. And then I would reach out to them and ask them, you know, um, if they would like some cookie shots to share with their friends. And that's kind of exactly what happened. I reached <laughs> out to a few of her really close friends, but they're not as big as her. I just kind of, I do a lot of stalking and that it does involve a lot of time because like I was spending like six, seven hours a day on this and that's why if I didn't have to be the CEO, and <laughs> I would be sitting doing that all day because it is, it's kind of like a full-time job to just, you yeah. f- the pieces because like once I go to like Courtney's friend, uh, whatever, Sarah, and then I see, well, she's also friends with this girl who's also friends with Courtney. There's like a strategy to it and they're like, okay, so then both of them I'll reach out to both of them, you know? Mm, Yeah. I just did that for so long till I was able to get into the inner circle of, and I think it was Blake Lively as well, Sarah Blakely, a lot of these people I've reached out to through their inner circle. Like I got to, you know, Sarah Blakely's husband and he shared Mm. the good shots with her at home. So. Mm, Ah. Brilliant.
2: You guys got a really good one there. And I have to say it is, there is a strategy to it. You know, And I think sometimes people um, downplay what it really takes to become successful. There's a lot of grunt work. There's a lot of things that you don't want to do. There's a lot of sending out hundreds of messages a day, connecting with thousands of people a week. And social media can be a really, um, you can leverage it really well to do that stuff effectively, but you still got to put the time in. And so I think that's what you model to us is like, you got to, still put the time in. It's not going to magically happen overnight. A celebrity is not going to call you and be like, hey, I love your thing. Can I wear it? More than likely, you're going to have to reach out to them if you want to be seen. I love that. Thanks for that tip. Now let's go through. So you went down, you had a little bit of a low, and then you shot back up. What were some of the important shifts that you made that you believe helped to foster and create that bounce back stronger than before, because right now there are a lot of women entrepreneurs who are in the trenches. They are in that low period. They are trying to make it through COVID. Some people have almost completely lost their businesses and some people have lost their businesses and they're trying to figure out how to reinvigorate or pivot and start something new. And so what were some of the key shifts that you made that helped you come back out on top?
1: Like, number one, I, I, I really kept telling myself, oh, this is not the end. Like, I am not. I'm going to make it. You know, I have this mindset where no matter what hits me, like, I'm still going to make it. And it's just part of the process. So I'm really big believer your mindset needs to be super strong to be able to, you know, to, have, to run a business. Like, I do a lot of work on my mindset. It's been like five years. I've just been investing so much in that growth mindset. Um, so I'd say start there. And then the second thing is just really having the right people on the team. I mean, everybody tells you that, but honestly, the only reason I'm able to travel a lot right now and bounce back between different countries, um, is because I have an amazing, you know, partner and CEO who runs, you know, the operations here for me. And I, all the things that I need to do, you know, I can do it virtually and I don't need to physically be on the ground here. So, um, So just and then the same thing, like when I hired an amazing marketing person, you know, we just we were able to to step up our game and figure things out. You have to invest in like finding the right people and that it's not cheap. You have to give up like either equity if you can't pay them or, you know, some kind of incentive um, or you're going to end up paying a lot. What else? Uh, Mindset, finding the right people and just testing out different ideas like the DIY kit idea came to me. And I'm like, I really didn't know if it was going to work or not. I'm like, but what do I have to lose? So Mm -hmm. let's put it out there and see if it works or not. Just continuously testing different ideas. Like, don't be so married to one thing. If it's not working, then we got to find something else that, that is working or just position it differently. Like, the DIY kit is still our cookie shot. We just added more items to it, like chocolate and sprinkles and little characters for people to do at home. Because that's what... Was
2: required. Mm hmm, mm-hmm. And just a quick plug. If anybody wants that DIY kit, do they go to Dirty Cookie, or have you engaged with a third party to sell them? So uh, we sell directly
1: through our website, DirtyCookie.com, right now. Um, everything we are featured um on other partner websites, you know, just to reach more people.
2: Very cool. I just, I just thought I would plug that because if I, I'm a foodie, and if I was listening, I'd be like, how do I get that cookie kit again? <laughs> 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 so, all right, Shahira, see, this is so helpful. So COO and, and kind of finishing out this conversation on your team for folks who are looking to hire a COO, a marketing person, would you recommend that they do something like post on Indeed and think of the kind of person they want to attract or is it better to maybe network at universities or within their own network to find people with a high level of expertise? And the reason why I ask that is because I think as bootstrappers sometimes, and this you know this works differently for everyone. But sometimes people rely on their personal network a little bit too much. And that friend who said they were really good at marketing, you know, had they went out and actually interviewed, you know, expert marketers, they may have gotten a different result because that friend maybe is not as good as they had hoped they would be. And then in other situations, it works out perfectly. They have a friend who just happens to be brilliant and everything is amazing. And so I'm just wondering which way worked for you or did you find another way that was effective with attracting your your team members, your COO, your high-level folks, COO, marketing person, etc.
1: It's a really good question um, because so my COO, she was a friend from college in 2007. She actually lived in England, and then you know when she got laid off, I really was in. I was third year in the business, and I just really needed help, and I asked her to come over just to help me for the summer. And then she fell in love with the work and she was working like 20 hour days like me and I'm like, Oh wow. There's people that are like me, you know, <laughs> who were also invested. So she did that for a couple summers. And then in 2019, I was like, Hey, I want to make you a partner. Come join, you know, join me and let's do this together. So she moved from England to here. So I got really lucky and fortunate on that end because, um, I would known her for so long and I knew her capabilities and her work ethic, but like on the other side, like where I got my marketing guy was I'm a really big believer now in joining different organizations. Um, Like I'm part of entrepreneur organizations called EO where, you know, puts you with like minded people, um, a support system like AA for entrepreneurs. And there's plenty of other, you know, organizations like that. And when I just networking with them and letting them know, Hey, I really need someone for, ads, they were able to help me. I, that's how I got connected with the guy that really, you know, pivoted things for us. So I haven't yet found someone like traditionally on indeed, or I have a website I like more than indeed. It's called angel lists, you know, for people that I feel like the caliber is a lot higher on there. And that like, you can actually like ask for like a co-founder or, mm. uh, you know, uh, you can give up equity on there, or you can post an ad and say, you know, I'll put equity as well as part of the deal. So mm-hmm. you find more entrepreneur mindset people on List is what I I found really good salespeople on AngelList. I I can mm-hmm. say that like really good. So yeah, like it really is a combination of uh, of different styles. Like I can't say just one word, you know.
2: Yeah super helpful. So last question. I know this is something big. I don't know if you planned on sharing it, but it looks like you're franchising now. Is that right? Yes. Internationally. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Internationally. And you know, on your Insta, so I'm sure it's not too much of a secret on your Insta, you're talking about this new store in Egypt and I'm just wondering like, so congratulations, right? Like that is amazing. How did you know it was time and like, what did you do to really get everything in order to have an official franchise? And I know we can't go through all the details because franchising in itself is, is an entire talk show, people. Mm. But I just kind of want to see if you have like some key moves that you had to make that are different than ones that you made when you were starting the standalone business. So like because I know starting a franchise is just a completely different beast.
1: Yeah. So um, honestly, I owe a lot of it to COVID because COVID made me virtual you know I could be virtual and get my work done so I was able to spend a lot of time in Egypt um, to do this but how I knew was like I've always wanted to franchise in the Middle East because I just they're like major sugar addicts down there and they love anything from <laughs> United States and they love American brands so I, I mean I knew we had really good opportunity there you know last year during COVID I mean I was getting approached left and right like hey Can we please do this here? And then I was like, well, I was always getting approached, but I was always very hesitant because I couldn't leave California. But with COVID, I was like, yeah, I guess I can, you know, spend a few months here and get this off the ground with you guys and we can do it. And then it just happened like um, a landlord reached out to me for a mall, a really good mall spot. And then I got two investors on board and uh, not investors, you know, the franchise people so, yeah, and it just, um, it just happened. It was very, it was, like, I, I always feel like I pray a lot and when, before I do anything, so when I was praying and then things were falling into place easily, I was like, okay, I'm meant to do this. Like, that's kind of my signal when things just line up easily and effortlessly. I'm like, all right, let's, let's go towards that. So, um, so yeah, I was just like, I got the store very easily, got the, you know, the franchisees very easily and then, um. We just built it out. We just launched um, officially grand opening was September 9th, 2021, but we had soft opened on September 1st and I just got back from there. So it's exciting. We're selling out of cookies every day there. So it's really, really exciting.
2: So amazing, amazing, Shahira. I mean, we have to invite you back at some future point to talk about the success of that store and to go a little bit deeper into Franchise. We'll let you go for now, but you're coming back to talk about Franchise. Thank <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, thank you. This has been so helpful. So if you could look back and give your 10 year younger self any piece of advice, what would it be? Um, I wish I would have talked to more people. I wish
1: I would have talked to people in general. Like I think when I first started, I felt like, oh, I'm just going to figure this out on my own. Because I'm that type of person. I'm like, oh, I don't need help. I'll figure it out. And um, man, I would have saved so much money if I, if I would have, like, and, and time, if I would have like found like people in the dessert space and interviewed them and talked to them other founders you know i do that a lot now like i'm always reaching out to like super successful founders and i'm like hey can you give me like 10 minutes of your time to just chat i'd love to like see like what challenges you had and how you overcame you know overcame them and then i, I share with them online and we end up building relationships from there and so they really helped me you know they when i talk to other founders they make me feel like they actually really want to help me which is really nice and they do they end up helping me so i didn't have that the first three years in business because i didn't know that people were so willing to help um so if i could go back i would have just before even building out the store i would have talked to at least a few people in the dessert space with brick and mortar you know yeah don't be in a bubble people want to help so just ask for it Love that.
2: I love the spirit of collaboration. How can our audience find and support you? I know they are like waiting for this part because I want a cookie just talking to you. I'm like, when you say the word cookie, it just makes you want to find wherever you can get one. So how can people find and support you and shop your goods? Yeah, um, dirtycookie.com
1: is our website, you know, at the dirty cookie OC is our Instagram. Um, You know, you can always send us an email, just welcome at thedirtycookieoc.com. So very on social media, you'll find us. If you just Google Dirty Cookie, you'll find us. (laughs)
2: Beautiful, the Dirty Cookie, Shahira. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And I absolutely cannot wait to have you back.
0: Thank you, thank you. It was really nice to chat with you and share my story here. You are listening to Lifestyle and Success with Dr. S, a talk show to help you rise in business success while designing a life that you don't need a vacation from. To subscribe to the show and never miss a beat, head to Lifestyle and Success with DRS.com.